You're listening to Hot Takes with Brittany and Travis. Damn, these takes are hot. How? Gotta take the shirt off. So today we have the pleasure of Jason Kitts entering the podcast. So Jason's always had a natural proclivity towards entertaining. So upon graduating high school, he began pursuing his dream of becoming an actor and film writer. He's lived all over Canada and is currently living in Montreal while he's working out of Toronto. He's worked as an actor, model, screenwriter, and various other roles within the film industry. He currently works as a screenwriter for feature films, as well as the hit TV show Letterkenny, and was once quoted as saying how he plans to change the game regarding the Canadian television scene. So, Jace, great to have you to the cast. I remember we had a conversation last summer when you were mentioning this this change the game quote Mm -hmm. that I, I included in the intro. So could you just explain a little bit about what you meant by that? Um, you know, it's funny when you're saying that too, because as, as you're saying that, I was like, when did I say that? And I don't remember <laughs> saying it, but I know it's something I would have said. Um, but now, now you say it, I do know. Um, yeah, you know, I just, I don't like, um, the way that a lot of people in Canada have to do the game, play the game here. Um, I remember when I was thinking about getting into it, it was never like, what could I do right now? It was what city do I got to move to so I could get started? And um, that's a a tough decision that I, I don't feel like should be necessary if you want to do it, what it is that you love doing. So um, how I want to change is that I want to make it, um, I want to make Canada more or at least help make it more of a um, bustling place for um, ambitious filmmakers. And um, I want to sort of break the mold of what, Canada has been doing forever, you know, while, while respecting the people who came before me, but I also want to, um, provide a clearer path and a more inspiring route for the people that are coming behind me. Um, you know, I think it's an incredibly, uh, tough house to get in and I don't think it really should be, and it doesn't have to be. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, temptation and, uh, poor guidance when you're getting into it just to go to the States. It's like, Oh, you want to do that? Just move to LA. That's not, you don't got to do that. You know, you don't got to do that. And, uh, I don't think you should have to. So that, that's sort of what I want to do. I want to show people that Canada can, we can, we can, we can swing with the best of them, you know? So you mentioned moving to the States. I know you moved to LA and you've tested out a bunch of different cities. So yeah. As you f- have you found like, I mostly they've been in Canada. I know you've been in Vancouver, Calgary, mm-hmm. Toronto, Montreal, do you think you can do the kind of work that you're doing in any city? Is that the kind of general message you're giving? Now I can. Yeah. Now I can. Um, but when you're first starting out. When you're first starting out. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Because when I really think about it, like how I got my first break in this um, was off of Twitter. So that, you know, and it's funny because of all the places, all the hard work I was putting in on all these different, these stages and, um, trying to get into networking events and having to sneak into networking events and lying on emails, making fake emails to sound, you know, a bit more professional with cool names in the title. I got ignored on every one of those attempts. And the thing that did it was Twitter, which is stupid. So you don't necessarily have to be anywhere to do it. You just have to have good content that someone might enjoy looking at. Um, 
but you know, it's tough to say because people ask you sometimes, how do I get into it? And my first response is like, what worked for me is not going to work for you. And what works for him isn't going to work for her. You know, it's, it's, it's a really, really difficult thing to get into. And there's no real, um, promise route. And I, I want to help make one, make it a bit easier for kids to get into. Mm-hmm. So how did you get your start on Twitter? First of mm-hmm. all, cause that's super interesting. And then maybe just talk about what you're doing now. So I know you started out wanting to pursue life mm-hmm. as an actor. Um, yeah. so yeah, how, how did that, that come about and, and what you're working on now? Yeah. Um, I, I did start, um, with the ambition to act. Um, and it, it is still something I do, but the only reason I fell into writing is because no one was letting me play with them. <laughs> you know, that was pretty much it. It was kind of like, okay, fuck you guys. I'm going to go make my own game and get my own ball and play on my own. Um, you know, I had tried, uh, like you said, multiple cities. I had tried the acting thing in Vancouver, um, burnt myself out, hated it, moved away, thought, you know what, this isn't happening. Um, and then I finally tried, uh, Toronto. I tried the acting there as well. And I got real close for a long time and I could just taste it. But, um, you know, as an actor, I found, especially at the level I was at, it was just soul sucking stuff. And you know, you can do better, you know, and it's no disrespect to any of the, the people who created the projects that I was, uh, you know, lucky enough to be a part of at the time. But, um, you just, yeah, like me, at least I had so much more I wanted to contribute. You know, I just had to read the script and I wasn't a script writer at the time, but I'd be reading these people's scripts and being like, fuck, I could do better than this. You know, just like, I would just be like, can I just change this? Can I change that? But you can't, you know, you got to respect uh, your roles and other people's roles. You can't walk in there and fucking kick the door off the hinges and say, listen up. (laughs) I'm an actor who's got a couple lines in this and I'm going to be making some changes around here. (laughs) So buckle up, you know, you can't do that. So I just wanted a bit more power and uh, say in my own uh, career path and what I was doing. So I thought, you know what, I got to stop saying I can do better than these people who are doing it and actually see if I can and, uh, or just see if I'm talking shit. Maybe this is a lot harder than I thought it is. And, uh, turns out it was, but turns out I also could do better. So, um, you know, I just started making my own projects and then, um, the only reason I started writing was to make my own projects. It was sort of that, that cycle where that a lot of people fall in regardless of job where it was like, I can't get the job because I don't have the experience, but I don't have the experience because I can't get the job, you know? So mm-hmm. I just was like, you know what? I'm going to make, I'm going to write myself some skits, some, some short films. I'm going to put myself in them. So I have content to show directors. And, um, in that process and telling my fellow actor friends, what I was doing, everyone wanted in, they say, we're all in the same boat. So can you put a couple lines for me in there? Can you put a few for me in there? Next thing I know, this thing between two people was like six actors coming by to drop some lines in. Um, and so everyone walked away with some good material to show casting directors and agents and whatnot. And in that process, I realized like, I actually really enjoyed the writing portion of that, um, of that whole project a a lot. Um, but there's a lot more I wanted to say that I couldn't fit into that low budget short film. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep rolling with this, uh, and just see where it goes. And then, you know, some, some, uh, awesome twists of fate came along and uh got me to where mm-hmm. i'm at now you didn't show them any of your uh videos did you from the junior high days put those in your resume <laughs> Ali obviously not because if i did i think it'd be a lot more successful than i am right now i'll say that <laughs> they would have seen the junior high. if i could get those hard drives back you'll see me on a stage pretty quick oh yeah that's um, what i thought <laughs> no uh, 
But that those is, are going to be yeah. some hot takes, bonus content. Yeah, some bonus scenes. There. Oh, I can't wait till those <laughs> things are unearthed somehow. And what's going to happen is someone's going to someone's going to dump one of those old computers off at a Goodwill or something, and some whiz is going to pick it up for five bucks and say, "You know what? I'm going to see what's on this hard drive." And he's going to pull it up, and it's going to be videos of me with a beard drawn, literally drawn on my face with yeah. a marker, saying the most <laughs> stupid shit. Um, and it's going to get unearthed, and hopefully by that time, I'm a name that could get sufficiently embarrassed by those those videos <laughs> i'm waiting for the day so jason and i have known each other since kindergarten so we've known each other for 23 years and i always remember you being such a creative person in like putting on skits and sketching comics and like doing all these different kind of creative outlets so do you find there's a lot of kind of people you're surrounded with who have had the same kind of childhood like creativity that's like grown now into these or is it kind of people that just like one day decided like I'm gonna pick up a pencil and try and do this that's actually a really good question (laughs) I have to kind of take stock of the people around me um I I I don't I don't know if, if um the close people around me in the business had come up that way or not but I can I can just by gauging them and their work ethic and their passion doing it I would assume so mm-hmm um, most successful, um, happy people that I know in this business are the people who just knew, like they just knew it wasn't like, uh, well, I'm 32 now. Should I try this acting thing? It's like, mm-hmm. no, they out of high school just knew that it was what it was going to be. And, uh, yeah, everyone just sort of has it in them that I, that I've met so far. Um, so yeah, I would assume so to answer your question, which is sweet because, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, working with passionate people is makes things a lot easier sometimes. So I think the the filmmaking industry in general kind of operates in this silo where people outside of it don't really understand what people inside of it do. Mm-hmm. So can you just paint a little bit of a picture like what your job as a, a screenwriter on Letterkenny actually entails? Yeah. yeah. And you know, that that's um, your assessment of it actually kind of ties back to what I was saying right at the beginning is like, it's, that's one of the things I want to change is like, why is it so mysterious? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why does it have to be so hard to get involved in? Because once you actually like from the outside, yeah, it, it looks like this very exclusive uh, glitz and glam club. But once you're in, you're like, oh, I was scared of this. <laughs> you know, um, you know, people think like they hear Letterkenny, they hear the big jobs, oh, the movie, you know, yada, yada, sets, um, Toronto. Um, <laughs> they think it's all, you know. I'm going to red carpets, you know, I'm partying, I'm going out, I'm, I'm hitting, I'm scrubbing curbs with brand new cars. Really what I do is, uh, talk to myself in a park all day and Google synonyms. That's pretty much it. Um, so if you're good at that, you, you're more than qualified to do what I do. Um, you know, I'm sitting here thinking how, what's another word for excited? That's, that's my job. That's what it is. Um, you know, I'm uh, to anyone who uh, would want to get into this business and, and might be intimidated by um, the word writer or the, you know, image that comes up of writing or some, you know, guy at a cabin with uh, round frame glasses who's an expert at uh, vocabulary. That's not it. You just have to have good ideas. You know, just have good ideas and trust your ideas, have confidence in your ideas and um, put them down. That, that's that's all I've done. And uh that's all I do. That's what I'm going to keep doing. It's working for me so far. So keep doing it. Would you say um, like kind of social media platforms have changed 
like the entertainment industry at all. Like now you have people doing like these TikToks and it's like 60 second videos where they can get like a whole message out in them and kind of put their own contact. It's kind of like a resume type thing. Like, would you, do you see a lot of like those kind of transferring through into the industry or is it like, you're like, that's your ballpark over there. And like, we're over here kind of thing. I think it depends on the quality of, uh, of the content you're putting out. I mean, the, the, the best example I could possibly even think of it is the most obvious, you know, that's where Letterkenny started was YouTube. Um, they started with, uh, three, four five, six minute sketches. And, um, obviously they found a, a pretty passionate fan base and they took off like wildfire. Um, so if you're, if you're coming out of the gate with good quality thought through, um, engaging content, there's no reason you can't transition over into, um, making it bigger. Um, but I mean, being, being skilled on social media does not always translate. Like if you're a person who's pretty, um, clueless on social media and how the internet goes, but you want to get into the business, I don't post anything ever. You know, it's, it's not a requirement. It's just a little bit of a bonus. And, um, a lot of people who are very good at social media aren't very good at this stuff because having a good idea, a good one-off joke, a good, you know, a good little bit is much, much different than having, um, a brand that could, can transform into 12 episodes of 30 minutes each. You know what I mean? Like you have a good idea, but how could that be expanded into something that could last years and hours, you know? So it's, there's certainly a, a market for it, but it's not required at all. Yeah. In my opinion, at least I could be talking on my ass. I don't know. Yeah. Just, <laughs> that's, that's my view on it. That's what this podcast is for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a big distinction between, uh, you know, or actually, you know what? I'll, I'll rephrase that. I think I, I can't sit here with the poise of like, oh, I got it figured out. I know what I'm doing. Follow my footsteps. Truth is I'm still, I'm still, uh, you know, doing it live. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I'm writing movies now. I got a, you know, I got into the movie uh, side of things and I finally secured a, 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 an idea of mine, a pitch of mine. And uh, I, I hope that people don't watch this podcast, but uh, <laughs> you know, I get the deal and I th- I'm, I'm celebrating. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to, you know, write this movie. This isn't someone else's movie that I'm just fortunate to be a part of. This is my idea. I'm, this is all me. I'm all excited. I'm celebrating. I'm making phone calls. I'm, I'm, I'm popping whiskey in the living room. I sit down the next day and I go, fuck, I don't know how to write a movie. So I just have to go on Amazon, order a bunch of books and, and, really just skin to the teeth, you know, but, um, if there's one lesson I've learned, it's that if you say something confidently enough, people are going to believe you, give you a chance. So that's a uh, <laughs> step one, I guess, to getting into the game. Just pretend you know what you're doing. Literally you're fake it till you make it, but you're looking at me right now. This is a good example of it. So that's all you gotta do. So what was one moment when you felt like you, you were now a part of this exclusive club? Because it must have been sometime in the last few years, I imagine. I think it was when um, the people who I looked up to prior to ever even having um, a whiff of this game, um, the people I looked up to before that, once they started saying, I'm good at what I do. I think that was when. It wasn't when I first started doing that job professionally and getting paid for it. I think that would be it. It would be when um, the man himself, Jared Kiso, um, introduced me to another producer um, with a lot of praise. And, uh, that's been a guy that I've always wanted to, um, 
just, just, just chat with, just work with them. And for years down the road to have that dude, um, explaining to other professionals who I am and, uh, giving me high praise. That was it. I think it was, I've, I've proven myself and I feel like I'm part of this now because if that guy thinks I'm good, I'm good. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter what anyone else says. So I think, I think that was it really. So Jared Kiso is the lead on Letterkenny and he's done quite a few other big name shows in the, the Canadian television scene. So I know he's had a huge impact on your career and, and a lot of the choices you've made. How did you actually first get to know Jared Kiso? Well, you know, that, that story is actually, um, it's one that really does make me believe in some sort of uh, divine intervention going on here. I don't know. I don't know who's pulling strings or uh, what I did to deserve a good string pull, but fuck, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. But it's, um, I met Kiso before like letter Kenny was even a thing really. Uh, my sister was dating a guy. This is when I lived in Calgary. I was working construction at the time uh, for my dad's company, just demolishing walls at the foothills hospital. <laughs> Um, asbestos just showering in it daily thinking, is this really what I want to do? I don't think it is. Um, looking at my arm after I take a shower, it's glistening like some fish scales or something. It's just pulling <laughs> asbestos out of my skin. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she was dating this guy at the time and, uh, he lived in Vancouver and he came by to, to Calgary where we were. And I think I was probably 18, maybe 19. And uh, he, I was explaining to him what I wanted to do because he was asking, you know, are you going to school? What are you doing? I said, no, no, no. I think I want to get into this this film stuff. And he said, oh, I know, I know an actor in Vancouver. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so does everybody. You know, everyone knows an actor or something. But do you really? And if you do. <laughs> You're the one that we refer to when we say we know an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know the guy. Um, so he said that to me and I was like, okay, sure. And so I'm at the hospital one day, smacking walls down, uh, eating drywall. And uh, I get a text on my phone and um, it's from this random BC number. It says, hey, my name's Jared Kiso. Uh, um, I'm a friend of Derek's. He, he said, you're trying to get into this and that. And I, I was probably, yeah, 19, maybe 20 at the latest. And uh, so I looked him up after that because I hadn't, I hadn't really heard of him. Because Derek, Derek just said, it's a friend that I, I know. So I get this texting hand Jared Kiso. So I look him up. I'm like, oh shit, this guy actually does act. And um, I I don't know what I did um, for him to be as gracious as he was at the time for me. Like I think this, I don't think I really had to do anything on this. I just think it's part of this guy's being to just if he sees someone he can help, he does. Just who he is, and uh, so he um, sort of gave me some good advice as a young guy getting into it, and. Uh, gave me some uh, words of encouragement when I was thinking of getting out of it. And uh, he just, he just really sort of set a good example more than anything. Um, I think one of the biggest um, things I could be grateful for in my time in this business has been being immediately introduced to some of the best people in the world who are the most successful I've met so far. Um, Because from the outside in, sometimes people think, and I, this includes me is that you got to step over people. You got to be an asshole. You got to be selfish. You got to do this. You got to do that. But I mean, this, this whole crew I got involved with is like, it's like someone you grew up with who just happens to be at the height of what they do. And, uh, I think, yeah, I was just super fortunate to meet them and, uh, immediately just start working under his example and trying to follow his footsteps was probably one of the biggest things without even speaking to him. It was just, you know, what would Jared think of this? Should I, should I behave this way? Probably not. Should I do this? Probably not. WWJD. 
is literally, yeah, <laughs> it works that way. And, uh, you know, and then we ended up just bonding on other stuff outside of that. We realized we're pretty similar guys. And, uh, uh, there's a rapper, Freddie Gibbs. I, I, I might, I'm pretty sure you know, Freddie Gibbs. Um, and who and that rapper at the time was still pretty underground, but he's the hardest gangster rapper there was. And, uh, Kiso was the only guy that I knew that knew of him and vice versa. So I, I got to give a lot of credit to uh, Freddie Gibbs for keeping us in touch over, <laughs> over the course of the year. Cause literally the, our, our communication for like five years was just like, if a Gibbs song dropped, we'd send it to each other and it'd be like a year between each conversation. But it, those were always the inciting posts that would get us closer together. So I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm happy that we did for sure. So you fostered a bit of a bromance between Jared Kiso. How did you turn that into a a position on Letterkenny? I know that was a pretty wild tale as well. Yeah, so that that's where the Twitter uh, comes into it is because when I met him um, like ten years ago, well, it's been ten years since I met him. Jesus, um, <laughs> he, we just had each other on Twitter, and I had probably like thirty five followers or something, and. My Twitter's always just been like, I've had a rule with it. There's never going to be anything serious on this page. I'm never going to say anything serious. If you think I am, you're in for a real shocker if you think this stuff's serious. So I don't retweet stuff. I don't talk to anyone on there. If I have a stupid idea that has a good cadence to it and could be uh, fitted with a good punchline, I throw it on Twitter. And uh, he's followed me for, since then. And he's just been keeping tabs. And I'll, the odd time I'll throw a funny tweet out there, he'll like it. I'll be like, okay, cool. Um, that, I guess I was funny because I trusted sense of humor. So if I don't get a like from Kiso, I'm like, fuck, that wasn't a good one, was it? I shouldn't have let that one fly. But uh, yeah, so we just kept in touch and uh, talked about Freddie Gibbs the odd time. He'd like my tweets. And uh, and then it just, yeah, th- there's a lot of um, a lot of things unfolded exactly how they needed to for me to turn that into a um, a job on the show. And I mean, I could explain the whole story if you guys want to hear it, but, uh, yeah, yeah. that's what we're yeah. here for. You know, we're it's, uh, it. you know, it's, 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 it's shit like this, like the story I'm about to tell that really, um, taught me to watch what I say, to watch what I put out there and, um, to really believe in what I put out there as well. And I've, I haven't stopped since that. And the story I'm about to tell too, I should, I should, uh, note that this might not even be how this, how it happened. This is just how I remember it happening. Um, you know, you could probably ask anyone in the story about it and they'd be like, yeah, I guess that's not, but this is how I remember it. So fuck you guys this is my story. This is how I remember it. Um, so like I said, I was in Toronto for a while. I didn't really know what I was doing. And, and the truth is the only reason I got to Toronto, Oh man, I'm, I could go so far back on the story. I don't even know where to start. So I did my, I'll go right to the beginning. I did my time in Vancouver and I say that like it was a prison sentence. Cause it really was to me. That's what it felt like. I did my time. I was a free man when I moved back to Calgary and um, I didn't want, when I moved back from Vancouver, I didn't want anyone to think I'd given up on what I said I was going to do. You know, I didn't want them to be like, ah, this guy, I told you, I told you, I told you you'd quit. So when I moved back to Calgary after Vancouver, I think that was 2016 or 2017, whatever, whatever year uh, one dance was a big tune. That was the year I came back. Um, That's how I remember time. Um, (laughs) So I came back for the summer to party up with one dance, uh, DJ Khaled for free. That was hot at the time. I had a great summer. I started working at Una, but 
to keep people from thinking I was a failure and a quitter, I just started saying, oh, no, 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 I'm not moved back yet. I'm actually just heading out to Toronto. I had no plans to go to Toronto. I just started saying that so people didn't think I quit. Oh, oh so you moved oh, oh, back from Vancouver. That's, that's interesting. No, 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 no. I'm here. I'm going to Toronto soon. And I said it for probably six months with no plans on going. So I was like, okay, I, I either got to stop saying this or I got to do it. So um, one day I just booked a, a flight to Toronto just because I had talked to so much shit and I had to back it up. Um, I remember I packed up a PS4 and I had about 400 bucks and a week in an Airbnb. And I thought, okay, I can't come back. I got to figure this out. I can't come back. Um, and so I showed up in Toronto, King West, uh, Airbnb. And it's so funny now that I think about it, just the cycle of all this stuff, because I had, I had about six days to find an apartment in Toronto. I had no money. Um, and I end up, and no one takes you serious there as a 23, 24 year old in downtown Toronto trying to get an apartment. They're like, Oh fuck this guy. He's, you know, he's a kid. He's not, you know, serious. I end up meeting this one guy. It's the last day of my, um, very short stay in Toronto, my very short time frame to find an apartment. Last day, I see this apartment. I'm looking at it. The realtor is showing it to me and I just can't afford it. But I, it's my last day, so I don't really know what to do. And so as we're leaving the building, we're walking by another apartment and this guy carries a couch out of the out of the apartment. I go, what about this one? Because this, is a, they're moving out. It's obviously going to be free. He's moving all his shit out. So, um, we start talking to the guys in the elevator and, uh, the realtor I'm with is like connecting all the dots. He's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Da, 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 I know so-and-so. So we start looking at this cheaper one still doesn't really take me serious. So I say, you heard that show letter Kenny? He goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know those guys. <laughs> I know that one guy. And so he, right then that's what got me the apartment. He's like, okay. Finally, he looks me in the eyes for the first time. He's looking at his phone the entire time. He goes, Oh, you do. Okay. What I can do is I could get you in this apartment for this month, a month this much a month. If you get me a signed t-shirt, I said, okay, I'll do that. Um, so he gets me in the apartment. I get him a, a t-shirt. And uh, so now I'm in Toronto. And uh, I spent a couple of years in Toronto really shooting for this acting thing, still spinning tires, uh, getting shot down left and right and making no money. And uh, I was just, I was on my last dollar around 28, eight, yeah, 2018. I have the contract right there. Yeah. 2018 um, is when I, I actually got the job, but I remember that time frame because I had, I went to Ireland for a wedding at the time. My whole family's there. And I remember sitting in this bar in Ireland with my sister's now fiance, Matt. And we're talking and he's saying, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I got about one month worth of money left. It's May. I'm saying, if I don't find something big by the end of June, I'm moving back in July. What are you going to do? I'm like, you heard of that show letter, Kenny? He's like, yeah. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write for them. He says, oh, uh, cool. Have you, so you're talking to them about position? I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, so, oh, so they've like read your work and stuff though. I'm like, no. He's like, see, so do you know who does the casting? I'm like, no, Matt, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it's what I'm going to do. And um, so that was May. I get home in June this mystical vision I had was not coming to fruition. I'll tell you that. Um, I sold my laptop so I could secure another month in uh, Toronto. So I got no laptop. Now I sold the Xbox, which is basically bankruptcy. That's, that's, that's to me, that's bankruptcy. If you're selling the game <laughs> systems, that's bankruptcy. It's, it's can't get any lower than that. If I'm boxing up the Xbox, um, 
meeting a guy in the lobby and he's lowballing me. Oh, all I brought was 120. Well, why'd you come? Like, <laughs> you not you saw it for 180 and you come with 120. Why'd you come? Um, so I was heated, man. I was scrimping for dollars. These guys are lowballing me on Kijiji. Anyways, no matter how destitute I am, I got to look good. So I go get a haircut and I'm walking home. I have my last bit of cash in my hand and I go to put it in my pocket and a wind gust blows all my cash out of my pocket and I'm chasing it down the street like, like a fairy tale. And I'm chasing these bills and they're weaving between feet and it finally hits Bathurst and it goes across the road and there's endless construction and traffic cars, people swearing at you, cabbies trying to fight you. And I was like, okay. The cash is gone. Like it hasn't been windy or rainy all day. And as soon as I get pat- cash in my hand, the wind comes out. <sighs> so I'm, I'm pissed and I'm walking back to my apartment. And as I'm walking in, one of my favorite actors ever, J-Rock from Trailer Park Boys emerges. And so I'm heated. I'm mad because I just lost my last 40. And um, I'm, I look up to see who I'm holding the door open for and it's J-Rock. And I had just been binging Trailer Park Boys. So I'm thinking, holy shit, that's J-Rock. But I was nervous. I was super shy. And it just came out of me. I was like, J-Rock, right? As he's like out of the door already. I was like, J-Rock, right? And he turns around. And honestly, probably top three nicest people I've ever met. Maybe even top two. Who knows? I can't think of number one yet, but he might be it. He swivels around. And uh, we start chatting. And he's saying... I'm like, oh, J-Rock, right? He's saying, what's up, brother? And he comes up. He's giving me handshakes. We're chatting. And he starts asking about me. I'm like, why are you asking about me? Like, I'm, I want to know about you. You're the, you're the guy here. And he starts asking about me. And um, he's like, what do, you, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I live here. I live in Toronto. He's like, oh, you're from here? I'm like, no, no, I'm from, I'm from Calgary. He's like, oh, what are you doing in Toronto? I said, well, to be honest, I really want to get into like the writing game and, and the acting game. He's like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. I know the guys on Letterkenny and I really want to work for them one day. He's like, no shit. I just started working for them too. I'm like, no way. Because I didn't know this at the time. That was right when he did it. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know Jared. I know Jared. He's like, really? Do you know Jared? I said, yeah. Yeah, I do. Honestly, he's like, so if I send him a picture of you right now and said, do you know this guy? He says he knows you. He'll say, yeah. I was like, yeah, he should. And so he did just that. Second later, he pulls out his phone, takes a picture of me on the street and uh, sends it to Jared. He's like, all right, let's see. So now we're waiting to get this uh, ultimate text back from Jared and he gets it. Oh, there's my phone. Looks at it, looks at me, says he knows you. I'm like, yeah, I told you. And then a second later, he gets a call from Kiso. And uh, it's Kiso when he says, uh, hey, man, I, ha- I know we haven't talked in forever, but uh, I don't have your number anymore. And we got a spot open on Letterkenny. Would you- and would you be interested? I think you'd be a shoe. And would you be interested to try out? And so now I'm sitting here pissed that I just lost my last 40. I'm talking to J-Rock. <laughs> And I'm on the phone with Jared getting this, hey, would you mind if I got you in touch with the producer? And I'm sitting here thinking, what the fuck is going on? I, I didn't expect to have this phone call, let alone on J-Rock's phone that, that morning. So I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, here's my email. Get me in touch. And so me and J-Rock finished off this conversation. I'm just buzzing. And um, eventually Jared puts me in touch with the producers. And then they give me this this spot. And they give me an assignment to do over, over two weeks. And um Keep in mind, I had just sold my laptop. 
so they're asking me, okay, can you, can you submit this? Can you submit that? Have you ever done a script before? Do you know what to do? Do you know? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And actually I had no idea. And actually I still have the book here that I went and got. I didn't even go home after that conversation, went straight to uh, the bell building and bought me a bunch of script writing books, but I just lied to him the whole time. They're like, oh, so do you have experience writing for screen? I was like, oh yeah, totally, totally. They're like, uh, you know, you've done some projects recently. I was like, yep, yep. Well, can you get this to us in this, in this time frame? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm panicking. I go to the store, get all the books. And I take those two weeks. Um, I submit the stuff. I pray to God. Don't hear back. Those are the worst two weeks of my life right there. Because I, I have to know. Because if I got the job, I'm staying. If I didn't, I'm going to Calgary. Like, sh- Jerry, should I start boxing my shit or not? Or should I go buy more? I don't know. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I remember I was on the streetcar on the way home. and. Uh, I finally get a text from him and I have the screenshot still. Um, I finally get a text from him. It's just a flurry um, of praise for the material that I sent him, Um, including specific lines that I sent him, you know, things he's saying, amazing things like, fuck, why didn't I think of that? Uh, You know, this, uh, this is the type of poetry that our show is built on. You get it. You got it. Go crack a beer, that kind of thing. And um, from that day, I just, I've been with him since and uh, I'm not, I'm not ever going to stop until the show does really. So I know that was a, a very long explanation of how I got on Letterkenny, but you got to understand all the pieces of this puzzle that, that combined him getting, uh, getting me on there. And um, it's just, it just makes me even more grateful to be a part of it because of the, the slim chances of it happening, you know, the, the weird circumstances. Cause I, I honestly don't believe if the wind didn't blow my 40 away at that moment, I wouldn't have crossed paths with J rock. The phone call wouldn't have been connected. Mm. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So if your 40 ever blows away, don't chase it. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it roll. <laughs> I love a story with a message. <laughs> yeah to circle back just don't yeah. don't chase cash <laughs> <laughs> that's such an, an unbelievable story do you think for anyone that wants to become an actor did most people get there on these insane chance you know coincidences like that or is it just because you think you you took so many chances yourself and you met so many people that didn't lead to jobs that it was just mm-hmm. the tenacity that that it took you to get there yeah i think it's it really is a combination of both and i really do believe that making it in this kind of business or any artistic venture really is just a, a perfect combination of really hard work and really good luck you know because i had been working my ass off i stayed dedicated i i had done everything that the internet and the blogs told me to do to become a screenwriter but nothing was working i had done the work and um that's like I said before, I was sneaking into networking events. I was cold calling people. I was begging agents and everyone told me no. And then seeing J-Rock in the lobby is what does it. Like you're not going to find a list on Google, but like five ways to get into the business, submit a script, go to networking events, talk to J-Rock, go to a class. <laughs> like this is, it's not in there. So I don't know. I don't know how it goes for other people, but I think a lot of it is um, just really good luck. Knowing the right people and getting into it. Right place, right time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally. I like how when you said like when you were walking through the door and you were like, oh, and then you said J-Rog. And I just think that it's such a good example for people because I feel like a lot of people are too scared 
you know, they'll like have these encounters and they're like too afraid yeah. to like really put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's such a great story and like a great example. It's like if you put yourself out there, like these big mm-hmm. dreams that you have and big goals can really like come to fruition for you. Well, yeah, I just know that I I want this stuff more than I'm shy, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like my passion for what I want outweighs um, my worries of putting myself out there. So um, it's always, it's always worth it. And, uh, you know, it might just be some about Jonathan's his name, but known as J rock. It might just be something about Jonathan. He just has a very approachable aura to him. And uh, it, so, you know, I can't say I'm too ballsy or something because he's, he's just an awesome guy and uh, really easy to approach. So I think that that really did help. Um, but you know, right around that time is when I had given up kind of with the acting stuff and thought maybe should I do the, should I just try writing my own stuff? So I had been at that for that last month, like coaching myself and reading books on how to write scripts. So it just, it was perfect timing because I had just, I had just finished reading books about how to do it. And then all of a sudden here, here comes someone saying, do you want to do it? I was like, fuck, I've just been reading about this for the last two months. Let's go. You know, I'm ready. So I always tell people that now, like if you're trying to get into the business, like prepare for an opportunity that you want, because when it comes, you better be ready. You know, if you get ready for it, the opportunity will come because there's nothing worse than that perfect opportunity coming in. You're not ready for it. You know, you got to be ready. So you don't got to get ready. I think that's a really important thing. Um, because when you get that shot, you're ready to go that day. Like you're just, you're fired up and you're ready to go. You don't got to do anything. And, um, I think that's really important. You, you really got to, you know, what's done in the dark always finds a way to shine. So, you know, you got to do a lot of work before people ask for it so that when you run into them, you have something to say. You can't just be like, just, just, just trust me. Just trust me on this. Put me on your show. Just trust me. I could do it. Ah, they say, what do you got to show me something? What can you do? You can't, I'll just believe me, believe me, man. You can't wish your way onto a show. You got to have some sort of, you got to have some sort of, uh, something to put up there at some point. So get cracking. That's what I always say. (laughs) Do you get a lot of people trying to pitch you stuff? Like ideas for shows? Like, oh, Jason, I got the best idea, man. Like, can you raise something up? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I appreciate it because I always wanted to be someone that people, when they think they have a good idea or they want advice on film or whatever, the business, I always wanted to be the guy who would come to mind for that, you know? So it means it makes me feel like I'm doing something right. If I'm I'm the person that these people trust uh, to go to with their ideas. But at the same time, like it's, it's just a really tough business to get these things done. You know, it's really tough Mm -hmm. business to create something like, as large as a TV show or a movie, it's a tough thing. It takes a lot of time and it's a lot harder than um, people with these good ideas think it is because there's a bazillion things you got to figure out. You know, it's like, is, is this a good TV show idea or is this a good idea? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how can you, how can you fill an hour's worth of an episode with this idea? Can you, is there enough layers? You know, it's who's the market who, is the industry calling for this kind of stuff at this time? Like it's just, it's, there's so much that goes into it. Um, and if I had the pull to make these things happen, I would have 10 of my own shows going at this point. So, um, you know, it's a, I, I really do appreciate people um, sending me these things and uh, seeing me as the guy who to talk to. Um, and maybe once I'm in the position to uh, 
help him out a bit more, I will. But at this point, I, I, I'm not quite there yet. I will, though. I will be. It's part of my plan on how to change the game, yeah. best believe. But uh, <laughs> one thing at a time here. i got to pull myself up before I can pull others up. You know what I mean? So you've alluded to this this future secretive project that you might be working on. So and and you plan on, on continuing out until Letterkenny ends. So what do you think the future has in store for you? How do you want to change the game? Whew. Where should, um, I don't know where to start <laughs> on that one. I think um, <laughs> I think there's only so much money and so many things you could achieve until it starts getting pointless, to me at least. And. I would rather I'd rather take different steps in my career and I'd rather I want to keep changing and I want to keep um, doing new things. I want to keep pulling other people up. And as I gain um, momentum and strength, I want to bring people with me as well. And um, I want to, I want to do all the things that I personally want to do. I want to write my own TV show. I want to make my own movies. Um, But I also want to, give people a reasonable way to get into the business. I want to start classes in Calgary because I want to teach people how to write. Um, there's a lot of bullshit out there on how to write and it, it it's made to be a very intimidating position and uh, it shouldn't be. Um, the one thing all your favorite TV shows and movies have in common is a script. That's where, it, uh, that's where everything starts. Directors don't have a job unless there's a script. Actors don't have a job unless there's a script producers don't have a job unless there's a script if there's no script you just got a bunch of people in a room that's all it is talking about what they do but if there's a script everyone could use their skill sets and everyone could come out happy but no one ever wants to be the guy to write the script you know it's like the first guy to jump in the pool no one wants to do it you know so that's i want to i want to change how people view script writing i want to i want to i want to be the first cool script writer maybe um you know so I think if you go to these cities like Calgary who don't really have the biggest film scene yet, but have potential to have one, I think if you start all of a sudden teaching people how to write, suddenly you got a ton of scripts running around town. And suddenly these kids who want to be actors have a little project they could get in on easily because it's, you know, the script writer is not big time either. So it's like, Hey, want to, want to hook up. My buddy has a camera. My buddy wants to be a director. Let's all do this thing. But if there's no scripts, there's no, that collaboration never happens. And, um, I really want to teach people a no bullshit way on how to write in Calgary. That's, that's really what I want to do. But at the same time, you got to become someone who people listen to, you know, you can't just, again, you, you have to have the credentials to go in there and get people to listen to you. Right. So I have a lot of stuff I still want to achieve for myself. I'm going to make movies. I'm going to make TV shows. I'm going to, um, produce stuff and then once once i've achieved all those things i'm going to start um, contributing to the art scene in calgary and um start teaching classes there that could carry on beyond me and then all of a sudden the the decision for kids isn't should i go to vancouver or toronto or la it's mm-hmm. fuck it i'm gonna stay right here and i'm gonna do it here i'm gonna take kids this class and me and my homies are gonna make a make a script and <laughs> we're gonna get it get it going here that's the plan so i want to <laughs> You know, I, I feel really grateful for the amount of people help for the amount of help people have given me. And I, I, you know, you got to give it back. It always comes full circle. So that's what I plan to do. That's great. I yeah. That's that. so, so many interesting things that you've said tonight and a, a really powerful message as well. If people do want to get in contact with you with about screenwriting or 
or signing you to some massive deal after the fame that you get from this podcast <laughs> episode, how can they get in contact with you? Hey, are you that hot takes guy? Yeah. Oh, yes. The, it's, it's the guy. You're, yeah. Okay. Great. Fuck. I've been looking everywhere for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. What was the question? How, how can people get in contact with you? Where can they find you online? Uh, just Instagram. Usually Mr. Kitts. This, that's probably the, the place to get a hold of me the best. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm always around for that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. And, um, I, I don't want to be one of those guys who says, you know, I, I struggled. So you have to, too. Mm-hmm. Shut up. That's the, that's why things are the way they are that you struggled because the people before you said the same shit, you know what I mean? So, so at some point that cycle has to end and someone has to say, you know what, let's just make it this easier for people to get in. Um, and that, that's, that's what I want to do, but I have to be someone that people, uh, want to listen to. So that's, that's, that's the plan so far, you know? I love it. Um, cause I'm so sick of remake movies. Like get us yeah. more content. <laughs> yeah. People going, people just really go with what's, what's safe these days. And, uh, well, I mean, not everybody, there's a lot of great stuff out there, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I want to, I want to help push the, push the boundaries of Canadian television. I think guys like Kiso have done that. Um, they took the risk. They did their own thing. They went against what other people were doing. And I mean, look where he's got, right. He did it all here. He, he, he hires all Canadian talent. He hires local actors. He, he keeps it within here. That guy could go down to LA and make a boatload, but he wants to contribute to the scene here. And, uh, I think that's an awesome, uh, example for him to set for a guy like me. And, I can't repay him for what he's done for me. And what do you get the guy who has everything? So the only thing I decided that I could do to repay him is to try to continue on and help in the mission that he, he wants to do. So, you know, you got JK and JK, you know, we're going to, we're going to make, <laughs> make it a bit easier for kids in Canada to, to start doing their, their movies. So. JK squared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll get yeah. you out on one last thing then. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. First of all, it's, it's been a no. pleasure talking to you and yeah, you've shared a, a ton of, of useful information for anyone looking to get into the scene or just, just direction in their life in general. Um, but we, we typically, we've been asking people for a hot take to end the episode on, on a high note. Did do you have any hot take prepared for us? I don't, I don't know if I have a hot take, but I have, I have a, a, a saying that's, uh, you know, stuck with me and it's, um, be grateful in times of victory and be gracious in times of defeat. And that's stuck with me because the way you've got to look at things is it's not win or lose anymore. It's win or learn. And if you take an L, you damn near better learn something from it because that that's, that's the best education you could get is really learning from mistakes. And I think it's a really, really tough thing for people to accept. It was for me. And um, reassess, change your perception on how you, you vis- how you value um, wins and losses. I think that's a really important thing for people to understand. Um, that And that, that really helped me because I realized, look, what I was doing was wrong. Like the way I was trying to get into this business. And either ev- either I'm amazing and everyone in the world is wrong or I'm fucking up somehow. Chances are it's me. <laughs> so I just have to start looking why, why I was losing so much and uh, try to learn from those things. And I think no matter what you're into, that'll, that'll change the way you do it. Love it. 
Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Jason. Yes, it's thank it's you. been a treat interviewing you today. No, um, no, it's my pleasure. I really like what you guys are doing here. Um, I like the subjects you guys tackle. Um, Brittany, you know, you're like you said, I've known you since since kindergarten. You know, I, I regard you as as a sister. And if there's anything I could ever do to uh, pay you back for that, that's a uh, loyalty and uh, how you've always been gracious to me over the years. Let me know. Oh, thanks, uh, Mavis. <laughs> thanks for having me on. <laughs> no, um, no, Mavis. You know, you're you're one of those guys. I don't I don't even have to talk to very often because you know you're just. I, you know me inside and out, and anytime we see each other, it's right back to uh, right back to how it always was, and I, I really appreciate that. You're one of those uh, those always people, people that I could always count on, people that are always be there, people that are always going to be the person who um, they say they are. So I really, I appreciate that about you as well. Wow, man, that's amazing to hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We we did end it on a high note there, so so thanks again. The hottest take around. Brittany and Travis are awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you guys are you guys are Calgarians, and I want more Calgarians in the art scene. That's what I want. So I love I love what you guys are doing. You guys are doing a really good job on it too, and I'm not just saying that because I know yeah, I think I think you guys are doing an awesome job. <laughs>